Father, we are kicking into a series that's entitled Let's Go. And I believe that beyond just this being a series, I believe that this is actually a very strategic moment for our church as well. Uh, as many of you know, a little less than a year ago, we transitioned. Uh, me and Dara came here. Uh, Pastor John and Miss Sandy, they went to Shreveport. Uh, that we're still connected with them, still connected with the church. We're all uh, in this together. Uh, none of that has changed. But uh, in a lot of ways, as I've prayed over the last, whatever, eight, nine, ten months, uh, just about where we're at as a church and, and, and just even what God was wanting to do. And uh, the Lord began to stir this in me about let's go. And really what it is, and, and I can summarize it in this, is that it's time for us to begin to start taking some ground for the kingdom of God. Uh, we've kind of walked through a season. Transitions are always fun. <laughs> I know it was, it, it's interesting for you, but guess what? It's, it's interesting for us too. But it's time to go. It's time to begin to move into what God has for us. And so this isn't just some clever thing that I came up with. Uh, it, it's something that I believe that the Lord has really been birthed in prayer and asking the Lord about the season of where we are as a church. And so this isn't just something that I put together and thought, oh, well, that's clever. No, I really believe that this is the heart of God for us right now. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time praying and asking the Lord and getting his heart on for us as a church. And so if you really want to kind of think of it this way, this is uh, kind of me sharing with you who I believe that we are a little bit but also what God is asking us. And so the big idea here, which it's highlighted there on your little card, is that we are to be the church. Not just come to church, but to be the church. And so I want to share some thoughts with you and some things with you this morning. And, and so as I shared a minute ago, that this morning it's about being vocal. And I'm going to share some thoughts with you and some scriptures with you. But, you know, in Matthew chapter 28, we have what's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus stands, and we'll read these verses here in just a moment. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he gives them instructions. And I believe that many times, even though many of us, especially if you grew up in church, you could quote these verses. You may not know the reference, but when I start reading it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's, and you could finish my sentence for me. But here's one of the things I want you to, to catch is that if you take that word, co-mission, right? It's a partnership. There's, in other words, we're partnering with Jesus for what? For his kingdom's sake. For his kingdom purpose. It's a, it's a common mission. We are really coming together to do something amazing that we could never do in and of ourselves. I mean, I, I like to be involved with things that are bigger than me. I like to think big. I like to think just out. And that's why I love the church because it allows me to be a part of something that's way bigger than me. It's way bigger than you. And yet the impact can be amazing. It can be tremendous. And in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, the scriptures will be up on the screens for you. But it says that Jesus came close to the disciples and he said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. That's a, a very weighty statement. But all authority has been given to me. He says, now go in my authority. So you got to know right off the bat, we're not trying to do anything in and of ourselves, But we have been authorized by Jesus to do what? To go. To, to be, to do these things. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which we just baptized someone a few minutes ago. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded them, and never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of the age, of this age. Now, that word authority there, when Jesus says all authority and all the universe has been given to me, really all that means is that it's delegated influence. Delegated influence. God has given you influence. Whether you realize it or not, if you influence one person, you have influence. Influence is not affecting thousands necessarily. It might be six, five, four. If you're in a small group, guess what? You have influence. And you've been, what? You've been delegated in Jesus' influence. He said to take his influence and go and what? Influence people. Introducing them, sharing the gospel, expanding the kingdom of God. In, in Mark's same passage of this, but it's on the tail end, it adds a detail, and I think this is interesting. It says in Mark 16, verse 19 and 20, it says, When the Lord Jesus had finished telling them this, which was, Go into all the world, share the gospel. This is what, what my, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. Let me finish this. I told you I was ready to go today, so I'm amped up. But Mark chapter 16, he says, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and they preached and the Lord worked through them. The Lord worked through them. What I'm asking for you and what I'm challenging you with is this. I'm not asking you to do anything except for let the Lord work through you. Become a channel that wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever conversation you have, put it with a gospel context. Use your influence, that delegated influence to what? To change eternity for somebody. For somebody, why? Because there are people all around us who don't know God that desperately need to know him. They don't even realize how bad they need to know him, but they do. And and if we'll do this, the Lord will work through us. And it says that he even confirmed what they said by miraculous signs. See, many times I believe believe it's hardwired into the hearts of every human being that we want to be used by God. I believe that every one of us were, were created with purpose, that we're not here by mistake, but that God wants to use us. And I believe that we, even as I say that, I believe it stirs up something in you. I want to do something great. I want to be a part of something amazing. I want to be a part of something that makes a difference. And the reality is, is that we can, all of us. You're like, but, but you don't know my story. But you, you apparently don't know Jesus. Because Jesus changes stories. Like completely. So it doesn't matter what your story has been. What does matter is what Jesus says about you and what Jesus has already done. Now, I want to point out something um, here that it's important because it says when Jesus had finished speaking to him, it says he was taken up and he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, let me ask you the question. Why did Jesus sit down? Who said it? He finished. He sat down because he was done. He did everything that he can do. And now he's looking for partners. That's why it's called a common mission, a commission. Why? Because he did his part. Now we have to do our part. 
And when we do that, we come together, guess what? The Great Commission happens. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. Anybody acknowledge that? Jesus has, has done the real heavy weight. Now all we have to do is go share with people about what he has done. And it's not as hard as you may think. Jesus sat down because, and he said it on the cross, it is finished. See, think of it this way. Is that we are co-workers with Christ. Anybody got co-workers? Anybody work with people? Y'all are what? Working for the same thing, same company, if you will, to what? To produce something. And hopefully it all comes together, right? It's a, you, ever, you ever worked, you know, on a project or something and you get to working on something and somebody else is working on it and y'all come together and y'all are like, we were working on two different things. I don't want to stand before Jesus and find out I was working on something different than what he was working on. I want to make sure that, man, when I stand before, he's like, hey, we were on, we were in sync. And, man, when we came together, look what happened. And I want that for you as well. I, I want to see that happen. And so, now, I know some of you already have this thought. Well, I'm not a preacher. It says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm not a preacher. That's what you do. Yes, I, I do that. But I think you're also misinterpreting what the word preach means. Because preaching is not just this pulpit. Preaching is the life that I live. As a matter of fact, the life that I live is more important than the pulpit that I stand in. Because my life speaks louder than my words. I mean, what would you think about me if I said one thing, but then you saw me tomorrow doing something different? See what I'm saying? Why does that apply to me and not you? Because we are the church. The church is the great leveling field. Positions do not matter. Titles do not matter. The blood of Jesus matters. The sacrifice of Jesus matters. Salvation matters. It's the leveling field. And so let me say it this way. I'll just ask you a favor. Don't put a, a, an expectation on me that you don't live up to. Because it's no different. It's no different. Now, you may say it's different. I can show you scripturally where it's not. I serve Jesus just like you do. It's no different. I have a different function on Sundays. And during the work week, yes, I have a, you know, uh, yeah, there's a functionally, yes, I serve a different purpose, sure. But relationally to God, I am no different. None. And so you have to, I want you to really catch this, that when it talks about go into all the world and preach the gospel, this is, this is the way I would rephrase it. Go into all the world and be the gospel. Be the gospel. If someone's hurting, be a healer. If someone's discouraged, be an encourager. If someone is lacking, be a blesser. Be the church. If someone is frantic, be a prayer. Someone stressed out. You can be Jesus to those around you. The word preach actually means, and it's very simple, it just means to publish or to proclaim openly. Or you can say it this way, to make known. Talk about it. That's what that word preach means. 
You don't have to get up here and, and take hours to prepare a message and go to work to preach to your, your coworker at break. That's, they're probably not going to listen to you. But if you'll live your life before them, and I'm telling you this because I've seen it happen. If you have to tell people you're a Christian to fig- for them to figure that out about you, let your life speak for itself. Look, when I was in college, I, I worked at UPS. I had guys that would come up to me and say, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm pushing boxes. And they would begin to talk to me about their life and say, would you pray with me? And I wasn't wearing I love Jesus t-shirts. Five o'clock in the morning and some full-grown man is asking me to pray for him. It's not because I'm special. It's because I really want to be used by God. And I've prayed and I've asked God, give me eyes to see, give me opportunities everywhere I go. Give me a heart to, to be compassionate to those around me, even when it's inconvenient. That's always when it's hard. It's like, I don't have time for this right now. And Jesus is like, you said you want to be used. I'm like, Dad, gummit, he's right. So we want to what? Go into our world. It's not just going to some island in the Pacific. It's not just going to Africa or going to South America. Oh, I'm going to go do the Great Commission. How about doing the Great Commission across the fence? Across the street, across the cubicle, down the hall at the office, or I, I mean, let's talk about that mission field. You don't have to get on a plane to go to a mission field. All you got to do is walk a couple steps. There's your mission field. Wherever you find yourself today, tomorrow, that is where God has called you to. Maybe not forever, but for right now, that's where God has you. And He wants to use you right there. And I believe if you want to get there, which is that place that you believe God's called you, you've got to be faithful here. If you'll be faithful here, God will get you there. See, many of you will go places that I'll never be able to go. You'll meet people, have relationships with people that I'll never have a relationship with. You'll have conversations that I'll never have. And you've got to realize that God has placed you there for that very purpose, for that very moment. And, and, and look, and I understand, you may have been in the same job for 10 years, and you're like, there ain't nobody here who wants to hear about Jesus. Until that day. And God says, look, they're worth it. Now, we think about it in, in, in days and months and years, and God's saying, that one was worth it, though, for you to be there to minister to them in that moment. And the truth is, is that we have much more influence than we realize. We impact people way more than we know. We will. You know, it's been said that the local church is the hope of the world. And while I don't totally disagree with the statement, I think that it can be misleading. Because the local church is not just, hey, get everybody to church. Get everybody to church. I think we have enough churches. If, if, if just having another church was going to be enough, why do we keep opening new ones? It's when the church gets out of the building and starts influencing with a kingdom mindset. And you're like, what do you mean by kingdom? I mean like an eternal focus. 
that they're not just my coworkers, they're an eternal being that's gonna spend eternity either in heaven or in hell, and I have influence as to where they go. So I wanna make sure that I'm influencing them to go to a good place, which would be heaven. And I believe that God will give us opportunities. And so I, I don't necessarily, so it's like I halfway agree with the statement that the church is the hope of the world. Yeah, sort of. I agree with this statement. Is the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. Because there are some people that will never come into this church. But that's why we come here and we go out. They experience the goodness of God outside of these walls and then they will come. Why? Because they've experienced him. But it's not just going to happen because we pray and we ask God to bless what we do in this room. He will bless what we do in this room. I'm not saying that. But at some point, we have to, what? Go. (laughs) We got to get out of here. I mean, if I knew it just wouldn't completely freak you out, I would take a Sunday morning and just cancel service and just say, we're going to go out in the community. We're going to be the church. I thought it might be a little too much for you, so I'll save that one for later. But that's how serious I am actually about this. Because many times we want to come and and punch our Sunday morning ticket. I went to church, man. Things were awesome. Church was great, great. But what are we going to do with it? Because there are people who are lost, that are hurting, that don't know God, that desperately need to connect with God, to know him in a real way. That's why it's part of, it is our vision. Man, I know we have four points. Every one of those points points back to the top one. Why do we want people to find freedom? So they can know God better. Why do we want people to discover their purpose? So they can know God more. They can experience him in a new way. Why do we want people to go make a difference? So that more people can know God. It all feeds back to that. We are here for one singular purpose. That's it, one. So that we can know God and other people can know God. And everything else is distraction. It's not complicated. God is not complicated. We complicate things. The Bible's actually not complicated. It's one of our values. Simplicity. Life's complicated. Serving God shouldn't be. Right? But we have to take this seriously. And so, you know, I've I've, I've kind of been saying this phrase. It's just been rolling around in me for probably the last couple months. Is that we've not only been saved from something. Many times that's how we view salvation. Is that, well, I got saved from my sin because I was jacked up and I needed Jesus. Yes, we were. Yes, we were. And I'm thankful that I got saved from something, but that wasn't the end of, the, of it. We were also saved for something. To what? To make a difference. To impact those around us. You know, there's this song that I've been hearing on the radio lately, and I, I was doing a little research, and apparently it's actually not a new lyric. It's actually been around for a long time, but I'm going to share it with you. And It says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. And it says, ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing, and now I'm living for the world to see. Look, there's nothing special about me. I love you. There's nothing special about you in and of ourself. But man, it is all about Jesus. 
Because he's the only one that died for me. He's the only one who died for you. It's all about him. We're not here just to build a church. We're here to glorify Jesus so that people can know him, so that people can come into a relationship with him. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16, it says, here's another way to put it. Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, you're here to be a light bringing out the God colors in the world. I love this. It says, God is not a secret to be kept. One of my personal pet peeves when I hear people talk about churches, and it, I mean, it makes my blood boil, is when people say, oh, this is the best kept secret in town. I've had people tell, say that about churches I've been a part of, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I know you meant that as a compliment, but it's an insult to me. Because Jesus is not a secret to be kept. He's not. What God desires to do is not a secret that we are to hold or to hoard even. We are to share and to live generously with what God has done in our life. So God is not a secret to be kept. He says we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. He says if I make you light bears, don't you think I'm going to... Or don't, You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? He says, I'm putting you on a lampstand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Notice it didn't say be generous with your money. Because generosity is way more than money. A lot of times I'd rather give you money than time. Because it's easier. I can give you money and walk away. That took like two seconds. If I give you my time, it costs me more. But sometimes that coworker needs that two minutes of conversation. Sometimes that person just needs you to actually pray with them. And I'm going to be sharing with you stories and examples of these things, that I, what I'm talking about. But listen what happens. And he says, be generous with your lives. And it says, by opening up to others. Like, well, I don't want to open up to other people. Do you want to be used by God? Here's the most powerful tool that you have in reaching people is your story about what Jesus has done in your life. It's the most powerful thing. Why? Because people know you, they trust you, and therefore they will trust Jesus because they trust you. It's an absolute fact. People will even come to church if you'll invite them, not because they believe in Jesus, and maybe they may even not even like church at all, but because they trust you, they might even come if you'd invite them. But he says, by opening up, you'll prompt other people to open up with God. We open up, they open up to God. We open up, we're real, we're honest. Don't be a fake Christian. Be a real one, be honest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. I'm going to read part of this from the New Living and part of it from the Passion. But it's the same verse. But I just want you to see this. It says, from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. See, I think many times in the church, we try to play defense too much. Jesus did not play defense. He played offense. He was, what, forcefully advancing. He didn't just wait. Let me say it this way. 
He didn't wait for the devil to come pick a fight. Jesus went and picked some fights. That's why sometimes I get a little frustrated with the pictures I see painted of Jesus all the time because he's hanging out with the sheep and the children. What do you do with the scripture in Revelations where it says he has the eyes that burn with the flame of a fire? What do you like? This is my Jesus sitting in the corner of the of the temple braiding a whip. He wasn't braiding a whip for practice. It says he got up and began to chase people out. I, I can identify with that Jesus. Like, that's my kind of man right there. Like, okay, sign me up for that one. Y'all can have the nice docile Jesus. I want the carpenter with an anger issue sometimes. Like, that's my boy right there. Like, come on. You know, I mean, like, that's, and, and yet it says here, is that, what, is that the, from, from the time that John the Baptist came, even and we see it in the life of Jesus, is that the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. In other words, it's going to take some effort. It's not just going to happen. Look, I hope you know this. I believe with all of my heart that prayer changes everything. But prayer won't change anything if we don't act. It's the combination of our prayers and our action that what? That expand the kingdom of God in people's life. And here's the crazy thing. If we would actually do this, we'll actually experience more of the kingdom of God in our own life. You know, the water hose gets wet when water goes through it, right? If you'll share the gospel with people, guess what? It's going to flow right through you. And you're going to be blessed too. Probably more than you'll ever realize. The second part of this verse, and it says that, And passionate people have taken hold of its power. We can't be apathetic and be asleep at the wheel of the church. We can't just kick it into cruise control and just like, well, the Lord's going to do it. The Lord's going to do it. Jesus sat down. He sat down because his work was finished and he said, tag, you're it. Now, I, I did all the heavy lifting. Now, you just go out and you take my delegated influence and you begin influencing people around you, people at work, people in the neighborhood, people in your family. You begin using your influence. So the, we're not to be passive Christians. We're not to be quiet just in the church. No, he said he's going to put us on a lampstand, like a city on a hill, on a mountaintop, so that what? So that everyone around us can see it. Now, I've got good news for you. You're like, man, the world is crazy right now. The Bible talks about it. It also says that in the last days, which all the signs point to yes, it says that darkness is going to cover the earth. Are we there? (laughs) It feels like it. But this is what I love. Isaiah says this, that as darkness covers the earth, You will shine like a beacon of light, like a lighthouse in the middle of the ocean that people are going to see. So as the world gets darker, the church is just going to get brighter. It's going to get more powerful. It's amazing. But we have to actually believe that God will do that. As people get get, get less hopeful about their life, we ought to have more hope. And people, I mean, to the point where people are like, why are you so happy? Why are you excited? Why are you just expecting that God's going to work? Because I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it time and time again. 
See, I think sometimes as a church, we can be, in a sense, kicked into neutral, thinking, well, Jesus is going to come back one day. Whenever he comes back, whenever he chooses, he's actually waiting on us. We're not waiting on him. Matthew 24, 14 says that what? The Son of Man is waiting for what? Every person to hear the story of Jesus, and then the end will come. So we're not actually waiting on him. See, we ought to be actively sharing our story. We ought to be actively sharing what God has not just done in our life, and, but the, and this may be a challenge for some of you, and it may locate some of What's God doing right now in your life? I don't care that you got saved 20 years ago. I got saved 20 years ago. 20 years ago wasn't enough for today. What's God doing in my life, in my heart, right now? That's, that is what matters. And so if you, if you don't have a current testament, I would encourage you, seek the Lord. Read his word. Begin to pray. Begin to develop that relationship. You know, Paul said it this way to Timothy. He said, to fan into flame that which used to be a fire. Put some breath to it. Let the Holy Spirit begin to breathe on your passion again. I don't know about you. When I first got saved, I was really excited. And give it about a year and a half, two years, I wasn't so excited. Did God change or did I change? I did. Why? Because I wasn't doing what I was doing when I first got saved. It's important scripture here, but they're all important. I probably say that a lot, but they are all important. In Matthew chapter 16, it's a moment where Jesus has with his disciples and and he asked them a question, and I won't go for the sake of time. He was asking, who do men say that I am, blah, 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 and they say you know, all these things. And Jesus asked them a question. He says, but who do you say that I am? Because that's really the, the question that matters. Who is Jesus to you? Not who is Jesus to me. Because I live according to the Jesus that I understand. But you can only live up to the standard of the Jesus that you know. Now, I'll say this. I know Jesus a lot more today than I did 20-something years ago. And, and in 10 years from now, I want to look back and be like, I didn't know Jack back then. I want to constantly be growing and developing in my relationship with him. That's my desire. And, and yet Jesus asks the question. He says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon of John. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, this revelation, this understanding, I think you've probably heard this before, I will build my church. How many of you have heard that phrase? How many of you have heard that phrase a lot? (laughs) Yeah. I will build my church. It wasn't on Peter, it was on the, the revelation that Peter got. And here's it's such a powerful thing. He says, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's that delegated authority. Such a powerful thing. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I believe that many times is that we avoid the devil like we should be afraid. You have it completely twisted. He should be afraid of you. I never see Jesus going, oh, it's the devil. Let's go this way, guys. Come on. 
He's like, devil? Where? Where? Where you at? Where you at? Come on. Why? Because Jesus understood who he was. Jesus understood who he was. And he said that the powers of hell will not overcome the church. Trust me, if the devil could do away with the church, he had already done it. You go, you go look in history how many times people have, have had, had the, the influence, had the, the opportunity, had the, the military power, and their whole goal was we're going to get rid of the Bibles and we're going to kill every Christian. It's never happened. I mean, the Jewish people should be wiped off the face of the planet, and yet they still exist. They're still a nation. Why? Because God is protecting them. I mean, it, there's no, there is no rational explanation to it. But if the devil could, he would wipe out the church. But he can't do it. Why? Because the church is more powerful. Jesus in the church. The message translation of verse 18, I love how it says it. It says, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. See, I think we've, we've misinterpreted this, this verse here, that the gates of hell will not prevail. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a gate jump out and hit you? Anybody? Freak accident, even? Gates don't jump out at people. What are gates intended for? To keep people out. And guess what? The enemy, the devil, is trying to keep the church out of people's lives. We ought to be like the SWAT team going in and with the battering rams. I'm here. The devil had you bound up, but I came to tell you, you can be free. It may not look exactly like that, but that's, you know, that's why I like to look at it in my mind. Jesus wouldn't knock on doors. He would kick them down. See, we think that the devil is all powerful, and it's actually not true. He has a power, yes, but the Bible says the greater one lives on the inside of us. I don't need to be afraid of him. The, a proper translation of this is actually would be that the gates of hell will not withstand the church. If the church goes in, because I don't have time to teach on it, but you go look at the children of Israel. They had a promised land, but they had to go get it. It didn't come to them. Romans chapter 10 Verse 9 and 10, it says that this message is the very message about faith that we preach. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how somebody gets saved. They say, I believe Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I acknowledge that I'm, that I'm sinful and that I need a Savior. That's how you get saved. It says, for it is by believing that in your heart. It's more than just saying it. You have to believe it in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So it's belief and declaration. That's how you get saved. I believe it in my heart, and I declare it with my mouth. That's how you get saved. It's that simple. It's not complicated. And yet in verse 15, it's the same thought here. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Who be the gospel. 
How beautiful the feet are those who go and bring the gospel to be the gospel to those around them. And so one of my goals, one of our goals in this series is this, is to give you some practical things that you can do to go be the gospel. Because it's time. It's time. I'll just tell you, as your pastor, I will not play defense. We will be aggressive in reaching people for the glory of God. I will not sit back and I will not wait. Why? Because there are people who are dying and going to hell in our city, on our watch, in our time. And it's time for the church to move. And I don't say that from a place of being uh, insensitive to what you might be dealing with. Because guess what? Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's got things going on. Trust me. But I also have a great mission that Jesus has called us to. To partner with him in. And part of that is helping to, and we're not going to reach everybody in our city. We're not going to reach everybody in the surrounding areas. But we're going to reach the ones that God's called us to reach. And we're going to be active about it. So I want to give you some practical things. So your challenge this week, and you're going to get these little cards on your way out. This week's challenge is be vocal. Be vocal. So on the back of this little card, it's got several little ways that you can do this. If you're like, I'm not sure how to do it. Number one, it's going to take courage. So you might need to pray first and say, God, I need some courage to speak up when you give me the opportunity. But that's okay. He'll give it to you. So share your story with, a, with someone, a coworker, a neighbor. That's your testimony. Tell them what God's done in your life. Don't over-spiritualize it. Don't talk like the Bible, like your King James Bible. Talk like you talk. But tell them. I mean, you know, don't start with the these and the thous. You lost them. As a matter of fact, I would tell you, just be raw. I was jacked up. Oh, I am too. Great. Jesus can help you with that. How? You want to come to church? I mean, be, just be honest. Share your story. Here's another one. You can post some scripture on social media. If you're doing your devotional, just share a thought. I know it's somewhat hypocritical for me to say this because I'm the anti-social media guy. If you follow me on social media, you know I never post anything. The occasional picture of my child or my food, one or the other. That's about about what you're going to get from me. I'm not going to post a bunch, but you know. But you can do that. Tag a friend. Invite them to church. You know, you can actually go on Facebook and check in and say, hey, I'm at the dwelling place. And people are going to want to know, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to the dwelling place. Oh, where's that? Go check on my Facebook. It'll give you the map right there. You can text someone just an encouraging scripture. The Lord may lay somebody. You might be reading your Bible and all of a sudden that verse just kind of rise up and then somebody comes to mind. Just by faith. Send them a text. I don't know if this means anything to you. But I just felt like I needed to share this scripture with you this morning. And they may come back and be like, okay, that was weird. Okay. But 
they might come back and say, I'm so thankful that you sent me that. I had no idea. I want to give you an example of something uh, that we actually had about two weeks ago, I think. Can we put that post up on the... Now, this is actually a Facebook post. So one of our church members, Kristen Bass, posted this. It said, home sweet home. That's a picture of the foyer out there. And look at the response here. This is a young lady that I do not know, and I hope you don't, hopefully. Don't go looking up this post to figure out who it is. Don't be nosy. But check out what the lady says. Really needed to go back. I'm so angry. She posted a picture. I don't see Jesus in there. I don't see get right or get left in there. Turn or burn is not in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, y'all know what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I don't see any of that in there. All those catchphrases, I, I don't see any of that. And it says, really need to go back. I'm so angry. Talk about being honest. That's the response to seeing a picture of the church. I'm so angry. Just being real. It's amazing what kind of influence we can have just by putting it out there. And I love how Christian responds. He says, we miss you and your girls. Also, go to the archives and watch the series Root Killers. We just finished that series up. I found that I had some anger and unforgiveness that I had to definitely take had definitely taken hold of. That's sharing your faith. That's sharing your faith. I mean, what? It's just loving people where they're at. It's really that simple. Just meet people where they are. And just what? Help walk them towards what God has for them. Now, this is, and I'm going to close with this. This is the last thing, but it, it, I, I need to, I want to make sure that we're clear on this up front. Is that we don't want to just be randomly being nice to people. We don't want to just randomly be doing things to, to bless people. Like, I'll give you an example. You can buy somebody's meal, but do they know why? If you just want to be a blessing to somebody, you say, I just want to be a blessing. Okay, well, that doesn't mean anything to that. It just means, hey, you bought my lunch. Appreciate it. But if you tell them, I want to buy your lunch because of what Jesus has done in my life. Now, what, what did you just do? You just shifted that lunch into a kingdom focus. I want to be generous to you in the name of Jesus. Because of who Jesus is. Because of what he's done in my life. He's been so gracious to me. I just wanted to be gracious to you. And then leave it. You ain't got to preach to them. Just because guess what? They're going to come back and say, hey, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait, wait. Come here, come. What do you mean? Why would you do that because of Jesus? I, I heard about Jesus. Ain't nobody ever been nice to me. Just put the bait out there. And it might take a week, a couple days. It might take a month. It might be six months. And they'll come back. I'm like, hey, six months ago, you, you said you wanted to bless me in the name of Jesus. I didn't even understand it. Why'd you do that? Well, let me tell you my story. We don't have to be awkward and weird and go to people and be like, I really don't want you to go to hell. So would you come to church with me? <laughs> that tactic is not going to work. You will lose friends doing that, okay? 
We want to leverage our influence with a kingdom impact. We do that through relationship. See, I, 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 have the, I, I believe that we earn people's trust. We're not just given it. Especially in the day in which we live, we, we have to earn people's trust. We do that by building a relationship. Let me say it this way, is that we care more about them than just putting another notch on our spiritual belt. Oh, I got somebody else to church. I got somebody else saved. No, you got to love them more than what they do. That's that compassion of Jesus that will rise up on the inside of us so that we can be like him, so that we can influence like him, so that we can have a kingdom impact like him. And so this week, I encourage you, take this card, put it on your dash, put it on your computer, tape it on your computer monitor at work. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it regularly. Just as a reminder, speak up. Be vocal. Don't just kind of quietly slip away from that opportunity. Be like Jesus and lean into that opportunity. Speak life into those moments. Speak grace to people. Pray with people. And watch God work through you. Amen.